Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Stacy and welcome to the Hockey Minds podcast. This podcast is powered by My Hockey Resource and Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and/or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today, I'm joined by Michael Lawrence, goalie coach with HC Lugano. Backed by a wealth of experience in the game. Michael dives into a number of topics in this interview, making it one of the more influential interviews to date. If you like hearing about goalies, including one by the name of Ilya Brinskalov, this interview is for you. With that, I am happy to present Michael Lawrence, goalie coach with HC Lugano. Recently, we've been able to take in a lot of sports between hockey, basketball, and the Super Bowl. But UFC is still moving along, and two of the sport's most respected fighters step back into the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. You just pick 6 fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit, eligibility restrictions apply, and see DraftKings.com for details. Today I'm joined by Michael Lawrence, goalie coach with HZ Lugano. Michael, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah, I, I know, um, you know, you bring a, a different background with the goalie background, something that we've yet to have on the podcast. So I'm excited to uh, get this conversation going here. So let's just start off getting to know you a little bit, maybe talk about where you're from, about your upbringing, and then playing sports throughout your youth. Yeah, so I, I grew up in um, in a small town just on the south shore of Montreal, which is called uh, St. Bruno. You know, I, I think we, we left when I was about eight years old. And we, we ended up moving to, to Curtis, Ontario. So I, I kind of have like a mixed um, sports background. And it's because of obviously, you know, living in, in 
two different places as a kid. But when when we were when we were in Montreal, it was a very great place to, to grow up as a kid because first off, hockey there is it's like Toronto. It's it's a huge market and it's a it's a mecca beyond itself in in, in that means. But at the same time, so we played hockey. We played hockey, you know, from everything from organized hockey to, to street hockey to to anything really. But the the biggest thing was uh, at the time, you know, in, in the in the late eighties, swimming was a huge thing, and that's what our family did. My brother was a national um, swimmer, and I was a provincial swimmer. That was our biggest form of of sports, you know, and, and organized sports for the most part. I was too, I was too young at the time to really have hockey to be, you know, anything really that serious in, in Montreal. So swimming was a really, really big thing. And, and, you know, all the, all the kids, it's so different from now I, I find, but it's, it was very popular. You know, it was, it was very different back then. So that's, that's pretty much you know, my, my experience in Montreal. And then obviously when we moved to Toronto, hockey obviously got a lot more, more serious. And, um, you know, I, I kind of had to choose, you know, between both sports, my brother had to choose me before, you know, it's, that's a lot of driving for, for parents. So Dave ended up choosing swimming, obviously, because he was, I mean, he was, he was elite and I, I decided hockey was, was my, you know, it was my avenue. Um, but at the end of each season, I, I'd always, I'd always come back into a season, which was pretty unique. So when the playoffs would end, I would be starting my swimming season and I work really, really hard and, you know, catch up, catch up, catch up. And then, you know, you, you'd work to the, to the provincials, you know, and then you go and you compete in the provincials. So it was, it was, um, you know, great being able to do both sports and I always felt there was a connection between goaltending and and swimming for sure because they're and they're really individual sports when you really I would say individual mindsets when you when you think about it so that was kind of my background as a kid and you know I played uh, tier two and I played with the Cumberland grads in Ottawa in the at the time the CJHL and and soon after that, I, I went to school and, and started teaching. So, yeah, that's a, a very interesting uh, kind of background there. And we, we've heard a couple of different sports. Uh, obviously, hockey is one that comes up most of the time, but we've heard an, a number of different ones. And uh, to be honest with you, swimming is one that doesn't come up very often. But I like the way that you you know create connection to goaltending. In, in the mindset is very individual, and you know um, so many different takeaways that you can have through these multiple sports and. Being a multi-sport athlete, you can experience different things. You get to meet new people, um, different ideologies, and a lot of that can be brought back into the game of hockey later in life. I would recommend it to any goalie parent, to be honest with you, because when you're finished your day at school and you have to get to the pool and then you've got to do your hour and a half to two hour workout, whatever it is, that's a long struggle, whether you had a good day, a bad day, a day in between of being in your head for an hour and a half, two hours and fighting through that. 
Some days it's a fight. Some days it's not a fight. It really depends on kind of how your day went. But that really has a huge connection between, between the two. And it, and it gives you tremendous strength. Um, that, was, that was my finding from it. I, you know, growing up, I'm a five, six, I was a five, six kid at, at, at best <laughs> on my tallest day. And, you know, I played a lot of, a lot of junior hockey and, and, and I did pretty well for myself because of where, you know, my mind was. And it wasn't really based on ability and skill. It was based on more of, uh, I would say the, you know, the strength in, in, you know, those, those sports in which I played and, being able to think the game, but at the same time being able to, you know, have that, um, you know, that inner inner vision of self kind of kind of deal. And I think that's that's a big big piece of swimming. Swimming is, for me, swimming is all in your head, and you're going to either win or lose a race because of little tiny micro thoughts that you have. And you know, in, in a big relation, you ask goaltending. Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the mental capacity and, and the ability to, uh, you know, keep a focus, you know, in, in even the toughest games is what separates the best goalies from, uh, you know, those that just have maybe the physical attributes or uh, quickness and things like that. The mental ability really brings a lot of those qualities together and you, you just don't see the, the goalies at the highest level, um, you know, make it there without that ability to process the game and stay cool mm. and, you know, uh, don't succumb to the pressure. So moving into the next position I want to talk about is your start as a goalie coach in Sudbury. You know, you're obviously immersed into the uh, the hockey scene in junior hockey in Ontario and, uh, you know, made your way to Sudbury. So just talk about maybe the process of getting to Sudbury and then what you learned uh, yeah. in that first year. Well, if we we're going to go to Sudbury, you have to, you have to go to Cornwall, Ontario. And I think that's where I started my, my coaching career was with Ian McGinnis in, in Cornwall with the Cornwall Colts. So that was also in the CJHL. And I was going to school at the time. I, I think you could say I was kind of half in at that point where in my mind I had seen, I had seen the potential of this becoming a full-time job not many people around me saw that as being a possibility. So I was studying an undergraduate in law at at, uh, Carleton University at the time. And I was going, I was living at my uncle's and I was driving back and forth from Ottawa to, you know, Cornwall. And Ian gave me an opportunity um, to, you know, to, to be his goalie coach there with the Colts. So I was going back and forth and, you know, it, it was a, it was a tough time because it's not like today where guys coming up, you know, and this is something I really wanted to speak about in, 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 you know, in our talk, in our talk here is that guys coming up now who are coaches, they have a model. They see that this is a possibility, you know, that this, this can happen. I can be, a, I, I can be a goalie coach and I can probably make a living. It's possible. When, when I was coming up, we only had really a couple pillars where you, you, you'd see, you know, that, hey, this is possible. And one of them at the time was Francois Allaire. So in the summers, I was going to Frank and I was working with Frank. Um, 
And I was more in awe with him than I was with the guys on the ice. And I was on the ice, you know, Roberto Luongo was on the ice. There was, you know, Eric Fischel was on the ice. There was, there were some really good goalies on the ice, but in my mind, I knew that I was a small kid. I knew that I had a passion for, for, for teaching and I was a very quiet kid. So I don't think a lot of people saw this coming as a, a career path but it was definitely something that I, I wanted to do. And that was the light sort of thing. So going back to Cornwall, that's kind of where, you know, I gained a lot of self-confidence in what I was doing. And I was working with a really young, young kid. Uh, his name was Nick Filio. And he was a local kid from Cornwall. And by the end of the season, he ended up getting at 17, he ended up getting a, a full ride to Ohio State. So I had a lot of confidence at the end of that season and confidence is a special thing. And I was, uh, I was speaking a lot with an agent at the time. His name is Mike MacArthur who represented Kevin Beach and Kevin Beach was at the time, Kevin was their starting goalie and he was drafted to Tampa Bay, I believe. And they needed a goalie coach up there. So Mike MacArthur, the agent, was sending me messages back and forth and, and trying to connect me with Mike Foligno. Finally, I was connected with Mike Foligno. And I must have called Mike Foligno every day that summer. <laughs> it's amazing that I got the job, right? Because uh, I definitely overdid it. But finally, I think Mike had it enough. And, and he called me out on it. And he said, okay, I need you to come up here and you know, we're going to do this interview. So calls me on my bluff, I get in my Jetta, drive up to Sudbury from Ottawa. And, you know, it was at the time I was kind of, again, half in as far as school, you know, the goalie school was starting to have a bit of success. So I was making a bit of money, um, fly up and sit down with Mike and we have, a, we have a talk and didn't really hear from him about two, three days, two, three weeks actually after. And then sure enough, um, you know, he, he called me and, and said, Hey, you know, this is what you're going to make, you know, are you, are you in? And sure enough, um, you know, training camp started not too after, not too long after. And, and he just gave me an opportunity. And I think that's a big thing for any coach, you know, coming up. So I was 25 at the time. So pretty green. Um, by the time that I got up to Sudbury, I was really a fish in, like just a fish out of water because I remember one of, one of my favorite stories about, <laughs> about the first few weeks was definitely when I met, uh, Mike's son, Nick for the first time. And, and, you know, this was day, day one and we just did fitness testing and, uh, you know, there's really good hockey players. There's guys like uh, Nick Foligno and Adam McQuaid. Uh, Mark Stahl was our captain. You know, it was a it was a very good hockey team and very big personalities around the rink. And I remember at the end of the first day, I I met Nick, and Nick comes up to me and he's got a very big personality. And hey, Mike, you know, it's so great that you're here and. And uh, we're, we're so excited to have you working with our goalies. This is going to be 
you know, a long push, a long run, and it's going on. And I'm staying at the hotel, which is a couple blocks away. And I, I walk home at the end of the day and I, I'm just, my eyes are just like spinning because there's this 18 year old kid who has a hundred times more personality and charisma than I do. And I was thinking like, I'm in trouble here. You know, like I'm, I'm out of my league in these areas. Um, but you know, it, it, that brings me to, you know, Mr. Professional, who is, who is obviously Mike Foligno. And I learned so much from Mike through those years, you know, about professionalism and just the way that, that they carry themselves uh, through the good, through the middle, the bad, and, and, you know, we'll always be in, in debt to, to Mike and, and everyone inside of that organization, really. Um, it was a tremendous experience because we ended up, you know, making a long run that year. And we had um, Sebastian Dom, who we brought in, at, you know, towards the trade deadline. And, you know, there was, there was so much from Mike, the best way of explaining it is so much room that he'd give you as a coach and allow you to do your job. And he had trust in you. But the biggest thing is he has an unbelievable way of bringing people together, giving them confidence in what they do. And, and when people do special things, they're rewarded. You know, when it's nothing, it's nothing grand or anything like this, but it's, it's just the way he treats people. And it's something else to be a part of. And it was, it was a, a great first experience in the OHL. It was a great first experience to, you know, becoming a professional myself. And, and again, that organization was just first, first class from, you know, top to bottom. Yeah, I've heard lots of great things about the Sudbury Wolves and, and Mr. Felino and that organization. But, you know, coming into an initial role, like you said, you know, you're kind of green, you know, not really sure exactly how it's going to go, uh, how your approach may change once you get there. And you got these uh, players like Nick Felino who are, who are counting on you and things like that. It's great to have the, the backing from the ownership and the rest of the coaching staff to kind of let you go in there, do your job, try new things and a little bit of a longer leash and at the same time giving you that confidence to be able to, you know, put everything that you know into practice and, and make that next step. So moving on from the Subway Wolves, you know, if you move into the next position in your career, you went and worked with the Oshawa Generals and, you know, a little bit of a different uh, situation there being closer to the city. Just talk about maybe the difference in your approach this time around, kind of getting a little bit of a fresh start and, and what you learned, you know, throughout that experience with the Generals. I think there's a, there's a lot of things inside of that question, Ryan. It's, you know, it was obviously we're from Montreal, um, St. Bruno, you know, that South shore area was our hometown, but when we move, we moved to Curtis, Ontario, which is, you know, it's a nine iron to, to Oshawa. It's just right on the border of, of it. So I grew up, you know, in that area and, you know, one of the first games I ever saw, whether, well, for sure, junior hockey was, you know, an Oshawa general game, which, you know, that the night before I couldn't sleep, you know what I mean? Because we had tickets to it, you know? So it was a, it was a big thing. After the run in Sudbury, I was fortunate enough to be hired by, um, funny enough, my, my neighbor, Dale DeGray, who is the general manager uh, with the Owen Sound Attack. So I was, I was hired by Owen Sound 
And that same summer, uh, Oshawa, you know, approached me several times and he knew that I was a local, a local guy and, and um, they wanted to know if there was a fit. So I actually left Sudbury originally for Owen Sound, but Owen Sound had no, no qualms with me doing both because, you know, the, the conferences were separate, you know, so really at the end of the day, you know, you only faced each other twice. So it wasn't really, you know, a, a big, a big deal. And luckily so, because it, it, it really allowed me to grow a lot as, as a goalie coach, as a coach really. And, you know, also just dealing with different people, different personalities in the season. That was almost like going into light speed. You know what I mean? So that was a really big curve for me, those, those years where I was doing multiple teams. And it's not common now, obviously, in the OHL for, for guys to be multiple teams. But, um, you know, I was able to, to do that and, and it helped uh, tremendously. So going to Oshawa, you know, I, I was fortunate. You know, I had, I had Chris DiPiero and, and Chris, Chris is definitely, you know, he's, he's had a big impact as well, you know, in my career. Um, he really let me work. Um, but he, he believes in you, you know, and, and, and that was created. And I think for the first time, I didn't feel so green, you know, and, and I, I feel like that was just the, the confidence that he instilled inside of his staff. Um, he had a, he has a very, you know, good sense and, and, and manner about him and how he does that. And it, it made me grow tenfold, you know, and, and when I was in Owen Sound, I was, I was lucky because I, you know, I had, I had Chris in Oshawa who, you know, was, was great working with and, and we had such a, we still have a, such a great relationship. Um, but, you know, I was able to work with Mark Reeds and Mark was, I, I can't tell you how much I learned from Mark, you know, just from as a, as a person, as a coach. Um, Mark was, he, he was a different personality. He, you know, anybody who knew Mark Reeds, he, he's a very dry and sarcastic personality, but, you know, he, he had a way about him. And there's a reason why that team won um, was because it, it was all about the work, you know, and, and implementing the work and, and um, the respect that the players had from him. You know, he, he was he was nothing fancy to watch as a player and he certainly wasn't anything fancy as a coach, but, but you know, it was very meat and potatoes with Mark. And, you know, I was very fortunate to, to have been around that. And, you know, whenever I needed advice or anything like that, it, it was, you know, Mark was always uh, pretty high on the speed dial there. And um, so it was, it was pretty tough when, when obviously he, he passed a few years later when he, you know, went up with the sense. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's quite an experience to be able to work with multiple teams. And uh, when you're able to work with two quality coaches and, you know, Chris DePiro is a, is a former guest on, on the podcast and we learned a lot from him. And uh, like you said, you just get those experiences and being someone who's also worked with multiple teams, maybe not in the same league, but multiple teams at different levels at the same time, you are, you're really forced to 
kind of think on your feet and, and you kind of go through like a crash course in those seasons of just development and uh, learning new skills and tactics. And I think yeah. for you, that was definitely uh, the case working with two of those teams. Well, it, the other thing too is, is your season never in the same place, you know, and, and I felt that was a big challenge, uh, but it was also a big help because you know, sometimes in a season, especially when you're a younger coach, you know, and I hope younger coaches kind of take, take this for what it is, but I mean, you can get into a groove and you can start feeling comfortable and you can start feeling confident and blah, 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 blah. And it all sloughs off. Right. But you know, when, when you're working with, you know, for, for instance, you know, we had, um, Tyler Beskawani, you know, and, and, um, Tyler ended up being a second round pick to Dallas and he's a big kid. He's six, five, my kind of goalie, just a dream, you know, and, and the way he would learn and pick up things, Ty was just awesome to work with and you could, you could push him, you know, so it was a process, but there was no pressure. The team wasn't very good. Um, you know, there was no real expectation of making the playoffs in that first year or two. You know, it was kind of on year two, we were on the cusp finally. So all you were thinking was development, development, development. What is the big picture for Tyler? What's the big picture, right? And in Oshawa, it's a completely different scene. There's an expectation to win. You know, you have John Tavares in your lineup. We're going now, right? So it's a, it's a completely different approach you know, and, and we had Michael Neuberth as our goalie at the trade deadline. So the experiences, as far as, again, the, the statement I made earlier about light speed. Yeah, it was light speed because you're getting two completely different components and two different completely experiences and expectations from your management, from your coaches. And when you switch to one to the other, it's, it was, it was a challenge of resetting each time and saying, okay, this is what we're after here. You know, so come, you know, I can't explain to you any better than that, but two totally different experiences and, you know, two different learning curves. Yeah. And, and learning is, you know, when you're in that junior hockey setting, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about for the players and as well as for the coaches. And eventually, you know, you look for that next step and that new challenge. And for you, uh, you'd move to the KHL, you know, taking a completely different role, um, mm -hmm. you know, still working on the goalie side, but at the pro level this time, just talk about how that pro experience was different uh, from junior hockey. And then maybe the difference working with goalies outside of North America, as opposed to Ontario, where you had been for the last while. Well, that, that happened because uh, I was fortunate to meet Tom Lawson at a dinner and okay. So here's the background on that. So I was speaking with Moscow Dynamo in the summer. And at the time I was with Oshawa, uh, I believe Sudbury. And, and it was kind of like that. There was a mix in time because I was debating whether going back to Oshawa or, you know, there was, there was different, different stuff going on in the summer and but I was getting I was getting interest from the KHL which was you know at the time it was 
you didn't really know what you were going to get because they just changed the league. So that was actually the first summer going in where they changed the title from the Elite Super League to the KHL. And you, you didn't really know what you were going to get. So talks with Moscow Dynamo um, were ongoing and they were okay. Things were rolling there. And, and what happened was I was working with uh, a client you know, through pro goaltending and the very family and they had a pretty extensive background he the father was a lawyer and spent a lot of time in moscow and they decided that and and emerson who was the student he actually grew up in in russia for a few years so they they knew the culture really well so they decided that they were going to host a dinner for foreigners thinking or going over to, to Russia or people who are contemplating going over. So uh, Celia, the mother, ended up seating me next to Tom Lawson. And I had no idea who Tom was. And we ended up you know, meeting and, and having one of those conversations where pretty much you black out everybody next to you. And you know, an hour and a half later, uh, we had realized that we hadn't spoke to anybody <laughs> and just geeked out with goaltending and thought nothing of it and and again i was speaking with moscow so i i you know tom i should sorry i should say tom was uh he was with the russian army at the time and he had just signed a contract with Novosibirsk, uh which is basically which is siberia so um so he had he had a brand new two-year deal and he was going into his his contract and we you know we were talking about know what to expect and this and that and all the other goalie stuff that, that we got into um, I leave the dinner thinking nothing about it and two weeks later I get a call from a number I don't know and you know I pick up and sure enough it's Tom and Tom says hey listen I'm I'm usually working with this guy in the summers but you know I, I really liked our chat and and do you think I can I can work with you so you know I, I said Tom for sure so we worked out uh you know, a training plan and whatnot. And, and sure enough, you know, I think it was even a week after that, we were, we started rolling. KHL starts really early. They started in just almost mid July. Like that's where their training camp starts. So this was in June. We had worked for about three weeks. And in that time, my talks had, had broke off and um, so we, we kept going and training and getting him ready for his season. And um, I, I had decided just to, uh, to do consulting in Owen Sound that year. And Tommy leaves. And then sure enough, uh, within a week, he phones me <laughs> from a really uh, bad reception and, <laughs> and says, hey, I need you to get to Riga. And I said, well, Tom, you know, why am I going to Riga? And he says, well, because I just got you a, a deal, you know, next to mine. So I'd like to bring you in. So he, he ended up getting me this, this deal with, with Nova Zabirsk, which was uh, pretty great. It worked out fabulous, actually, because it was, it was more just cons consulting. So I would go over a couple of times during the year. And... Um, Sure enough, within a few days, I was, you know, missed one of my best friend's weddings because I had to be over there for training camp. And um, 
So I was, I was over there and, and honestly at the time it was like going down a, a, worm, a wormhole because I think it's a lot different now. You know, I, and I noticed even as my two years went on there, you know, things got better and better and better. So I can't imagine, you know, what it is now. But, you know, at the, at the time it was, you know, you're looking over your shoulder a lot. You're, you're you know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on behind the scenes. Um, but to Tom's credit, you know, he, he really took, you know, very good care of me and, and, um, you know, always made sure that, you know, you know, through his agent, you know, everything was, you know, proper and that I was paid on time and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we, we had, um, you know, we had a very good coaching staff that I got to work with and, um, you know, from, from the professional experience, it was, it was great. Um, I'd say it was just, you know, just a huge culture shock. You know, the hockey is hockey. Pro is, is completely different from junior. It's fine little details. And especially when you're working with such a, you know, a, a, a maximized personality like Tom, but, um, you know, when it came down to it, you know, I, I, I had realized that, yeah, this is where I'm. I'm supposed to be because it, it was more about tiny little details and you know I, I i really enjoyed that process with tom and and with the team you know and helping them with you know pre-scouts and whatnot and and that was uh you know a real eye-opener i'd say yeah most definitely whenever you can move into a position like that and uh, you know, very quickly move into that position. You know, you, you don't have the whole off season to kind of prepare yourself and, and work out all the details and you're kind of just thrown yeah. into the position. It's a, uh, it's definitely a unique experience, but at the same time, you know, when you're kind of just thrown into it and you're not thinking you're more so just reacting and able to trust your instincts and your gut feeling a little bit better, you know, in that process. Well, that was, that was a big thing about it was because, you know, I, when I got that phone call from, from John, you know, it was, okay, I, I need you to be on a plane. We can get you a, a ticket within two days. And then, so, you know, I, I didn't really get into it, but I had to go to Riga because they, they couldn't get me there quick enough, really. So they needed me to go to Riga because I had to get a passport to get in, or I had to get my, my pass or, or whatever it was at the time. So the only way to do that was, was, is if I went to Riga because Tom's agent was from, um, from Latvia and, you know, just a little side story here was I, I land in, in Riga, I go to the hotel. Um, the next day I, I, to meet Tom's agent who I've never met downstairs for, for coffee or over there, it's tea, really lemon tea. That's a big thing. So I, I go down and I, I meet uh, his agent and sure enough, he says, okay, I need the money. I said, okay. So Tom prepared me that I needed 500 cash US. So here it is, boom, give it to Dimitri and I need your passport. And then I'm thinking, hold on a sec here. You want me to give me, you want me to give you my passport? Huh? So for a two days, because this is going to take two days from there, I don't have a passport. So I'm going around in Riga without a passport, which is probably not a good idea. So 
it, it, it was weird. <laughs> it was pretty weird. Sure enough, two days later, uh, Dimitri comes and here's, here's your stamp kind of thing. And I was off to, to, um, to Nobles of Beers. But, you know, again, he, he paid someone underneath the table, obviously, to get that done so quickly and get me in one, um, you know, and, and two, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You just, you have to be ready. And, and that's the great thing about this business is just jump on a plane, you know, and, and seize, seize your next opportunity. So it, it's weird how stuff works out, but, you know, relationships too. And, and I wanted to say that for, you know, for younger coaches listening is you may not know where your next job's coming, but the relationships and the people around you have so much value because you don't know what's going to happen to someone else's career and how that might impact yours. So always be grateful and, and certainly, um, you know, see, see the value in those relationships because you just never know where they're going to take you. No, you really don't. And for you, like the career path would continue. And the next spot I want to talk about is your brief stint in the ECHL, uh, you know, different than the KHL, also different than junior hockey because you have players, you know, in this different development, especially with goalies. You know, I mean, you see a lot of really young goalies maybe uh, before they go to the AHL, but you also see some older goalies looking to maybe go to Europe and, and different things like that. So maybe just talk about the approach you took to working with goalies in that development, um, you know, development area and development age and, uh, you know, just your overall experience uh, in the ECHL. Well, again, the ECHL was, was a relationship. Yeah. So I just finished in Oshawa and I'd been speaking with Mitchell Keefe and I interviewed with an NHL team that summer and, you know, some of the, some of the push was, okay, you've got all this major junior on your belt. You know, you've, we've worked with hockey Canada, you've done these different things, you know, in, in the goalie uh, component there with, with hockey Canada, but you don't really have any, there's nothing pro, you don't have any real pro experience. Um, you know, you've done the consulting, you know, in the KHL, but, you know, they're, you know, we're looking at your resume and there's nothing really, you know, full time. So, you know, that, that really stuck with me, I think. And I think, you know, in any process that I've, I've been through, I've, I've always kind of, you know, looked for answers, you know, and I think that's a big part in this business is you've got to be able to listen to, you know, what is in, internally where you know there's either a weakness you know for whether it's a skill um, in order to get better or you know with, if it's a career path and and you know that you lack some type of experience yeah you need to be able to listen yourself and 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 be be bold ultimately so yeah, i've been talking with mitch because i they were going through a, a change with the las vegas wranglers and Sure enough, I, I ended up um, getting an opportunity to interview there uh, with Mike Bedell, and that was because of Mitch. And within a few conversations, you know, Mike gave me a call and, and told me the good news that I'd, I'd gotten the opportunity and, and that, um, you know, he'd be expecting me to, to be at camp pretty soon. Um, so it was, 
from from that standpoint, you know, things happened really, really quick, and it was a strange year to begin with, because I was working with Travis Fullerton, who was a kid from the CIS, who, you know, was a little undersized, but one of the best puck trackers that you know I've ever seen, and obviously, you know, I had such a good friendship and and good relationship with Mitch, so there was these different elements but on top of that it was the year that Ilya Briskalov didn't have anywhere to go so before camp probably I would say 10 days before camp I get a call from Mike Medill and Mike says he says uh, hey Wiz um, we've got uh, we've got a new goalie and I said I said oh yeah and meanwhile I'm thinking Oh man, like he brought in a, <laughs> he brought in a goalie here, you know, um, before I even get into camp. And this is going to put a huge wedge between <laughs> me and Mitch O'Keefe, who, you know, is one of my better friends. So, you know, I, I, I felt right away like, oh man, like this isn't, <laughs> this isn't good. But um, actually, he told me that, you know, Ilya was going to come down and, and work with, work with, the team and and possibly play a game and et cetera, et cetera. So it was a very cool experience, Vegas, because professionally doing it every day taught me so much. Um, having the experience with Ilya was, you know, like working with Tom Lawson was, I can't even tell you how detailed Tommy is. He's incredibly detailed about anywhere where the puck is on the grid. But with Ilya, it was, difference in the sense because you a rock star just walked through the building and and how are you going to handle that and how are you going to be able to identify with that and, and work with them and you know that's an experience where looking back it's it's definitely you know some somewhere where I, I grew uh, it doesn't matter now you know what I mean the types that you that you you come across um, because you're you're not gonna you're not gonna meet a guy with more swag than that, and um, I, I think you know I, I definitely pass with flying colors because we had a very good relationship. Um, but you know it, it was as far as the you know the technical stuff and and the stuff that I learned within the season. Um, it was a different game than the KHL because the KHL is is very much like here you know in in Switzerland, where it's basically you know, it's, it's kind of more a soccer mentality. You shoot when you're in a scoring chance. You know, when I review film, you know, the following day, I'm not really looking at shots, um, you know, and, and, and the information which is compiled within that. It's more about your, those, the, the central stuff that you're actually looking at is, is primarily all the scoring chances because players just hold on the puck, hold on the puck. But in the coast, it's just like, you know, the NHL where, you know, teams are funneling and they're getting pucks and they're driving and, and guys are getting inside of the house and they're stopping in the house. So it's a bigger game. It's a harder game. It's a heavier game. So those, those were different dynamics that I learned there. And, you know, it, it certainly changed a lot of my perspectives on things, um, but it was, a, it was a really good experience because, you know, it, it gave me a middle you know, and, and the two experiences, you, you really see, you see things differently. And you also see things that were, you know, successful in, in Russia that would benefit your guys here, you know, and, and 
holding lanes and different things like that, that, that we worked on a lot, you know, myself, Travis and Mitch, um, you know, and, and we stole all that stuff, you know, from, from the stuff I was working with, with Tom, you know, so at the end of the day, the pro game is pro game, but you know, there's different little tiny little details that are, you know, different from one another. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, the KHL, obviously a, a very competitive league as is the ECHL, but like you said, both are pro, but you can take so many things from one league and bring it to the other. And, uh, you know, when you get to work with a goalie like Ilya Brinskalov, who who many people know for his personality, but also a outstanding goaltender uh, during his prime, you know, the experience of just working with that player and understanding what makes them, you know, as good as they are and the thought process, you know, that's something you can teach to younger goalies and other goalies who are aspiring to reach, you know, the NHL level as well. So, Again, I think that's the, the beauty of the ECHL level is that it, it's such a unique place. You can get a goalie like Ilya Brinskalov and you can get a goalie who's coming out of youth sports or CIS and, and be able to work with all those people at once. Yeah, and, and you know, Mitch O'Keefe, you know, he, he was a he was a he went to Fair State. So he had a scholarship to Fair State, graduated from Fair State and then signed a contract with the Ottawa Senators. Um, Travis was a two-time champion champion in the, in the, excuse me, in the CIS. So he comes, you know, from out East, he was playing out East uh, in, in your neck of the woods, I think. And, and he ends up coming over and sure enough, you know, he's got swag to him. Right. And, you know, uh, Mike McGill, who was our head coach, he had, you know, a very big background with his brothers and his brother, you know, his father as well. The, the, the whole family had a, had a very big background inside of the CIS. So there was this, there was this connection to all that and they wanted to see Travis succeed and et cetera, et cetera, um, because they took a chance, you know, of, you know, the scouting and everything, all the work that had been done. And, you know, he comes in and then, yeah, you have a guy like Ilya who, you know, obviously you know very different personality um but you know just a little thing on on Ilya was when we were working together I I have to say that you know I, I would group him probably in, in you know in three three people that I've worked with where he he needed information he didn't care that he played x amount of games in the National Hockey League he was going to learn something from you and Right away, that was probably the biggest thing that just set me at ease at that age, you know, working with a guy like that was, was because I could just teach, you know, and, and as we got to know each other, he started asking more questions and why, and he wanted to know why, and he wanted to know why, he wanted to know why, you know, and, and it was a, it was a really great experience in that sense of, you know, one of the best goalies in the world, you know, with his, his resume, his, his digging in for more answers you know and 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 that was a you know it showed me a lot you know and it certainly showed you know mitch and travis a lot too of of the details that that he was looking after and, and another thing this is there's a bit maybe goalie geek that, that's going to come off here but um he was looking at it in 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 slow version details so what i mean by that is he didn't need to go 10 speed you know 1000 on the ice, he needed to dial it down so that it was 
executed so slow and so perfect that he could build over a period of time with it. And, you know, that was a big tool as I, as I, you know, grasped what he was doing with, with older players that I was going to later work with and, and how they learn and, and, you know, learning curves and learning types. And, you know, I think that season there was, was one of my, for sure, it was my biggest curve in, in pro hockey. There's no question about it because I learned there so much about learning types because Mitchell Keefe was so much different from Travis and Briz was a lot different from, from the two as well. So, and it made me think, it made me go backwards. It made me realize, okay, Ken Appleby in Oshawa is this type of learning. And Daniel Altshuler was this type of learning and Tyler Beskowani was this type of learning. And it, it really, really clicked. Um, and it clicked in a sense of now that's the first thing I identify when I interview a player is I'm going to figure out what type, what type of learner you are. And we're going to build around that. So, you know, working with those three guys was um, instrumental, you know, um, in, in my next step for sure. You know, it, it sounded like a, a very, uh, you know, while it was a, a shorter experience, it was still an opportunity for you to learn so much in that short amount of time. And you talked about learning that how people learn in their mindsets and, and, you know, everybody has a different way of going about that learning process in the same way that in a lot of regions, we see goalies with different styles and, and different approaches to the game. And, and in recent years, you know, European goalies are a commodity in the way that uh, they play the position and, you know, your next step would take you uh, to the NLA in Europe. Just talk about the first opportunity you had there. And uh, again, the learning curve moving into another very unique position that a lot of people may have, you know, never been able to do. Again, it's going to go to, to a relationship. Um, so I, I, I hope the younger coaches are, are listening here. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, my experience in, in Europe was, well, it, it was brought in by a few things. You know, I was doing camps out in Denmark with, ironically, Sebastian Dom, who was, you know, the, the driving force behind that, that run in Sudbury. And we had started doing pro goaltending camps in Denmark. And, you know, we, we started from scratch and we built this huge school inside of Denmark. And I would say that if in that time, we, we probably had 80%, closer to 90% of all goalies going through the school in the country. So it was um, a tremendous feat for Sebastian. And he put in so much effort, um, you know, doing the groundwork. And, and obviously, you know, all, all the stuff that, that we, and the time that we put in into those programs. But I'd been at the end of my, one of my summers and I had done, I don't know, I probably had done, you know, six weeks in North America on the ice and I'd done, you know, two, three weeks in Denmark. And, you know, Ryan, I don't know about you, but once you're in, in camps and, and, and you've done a whole summer of it and you're, you're cold and you just, the end, the, the, the light is all there. It's a, the light is near, you know, that, that camps are, are close to being done. And I'm, I'm thinking vacation. And, um, you know, one of my dear, dear friends who's, you know, our families are very, very close, uh, Kristen, who actually lives on the same street as my parents, 
we all grew up together the two families she was living in switzerland at the time and and she was begging me to come and hang out um and you know i'm thinking switzerland it's cold there's snow there's you know like, this is not where i want to go you know at the end of my summer here i want to go to a beach you know this is more of what i'm thinking but anyways i ended up going to to swiss and she was working as a veterinarian in 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 Lugano and her roommate at the time Kira was kind of like Wayne Gretzky of Swiss in women's hockey and we'd met the night before and we were chatting and we we're talking about hockey and, and she, sure enough she says well you have to meet Roland and Roland's the general manager of, of the men's team so within 48 hours I was having coffee with Roland who was the, the GM of HC Lugano um, and we had a great talk and, and, you know, certainly I didn't see that coming. And a year goes down the road and I was still messaging with Roland back and forth. And sure enough, he, he's, uh, he says, well, I, I, I hired somebody, you know, and, and, um, you know, it, it was, it was the right fit. And, you know, I was pretty bummed out, I don't want to lie to you, but it, it was a friend of mine. So he hired Leo Luongo. This is where the story gets interesting, is that Leo gets hired by HC Lugano and does his first year. A year goes by. I was in Vegas at the time. And I was at Pro Goaltending, one of our camps in July, and I get a random call from Serge Beltier, who's the head coach for Ombre Piotta. And he gives me a call and I was in the car with a few guys and sure enough, he, he interviewed me like right there, you know, right in the car. So you know, the guys kind of hop out and <laughs> we're eating lunch and whatnot. And, and uh, you know, I spoke with Serge for about 30, 40 minutes. Um, two days later, he phoned me, he offered me the job. It was Leo that recommended me to Serge because they had lost their goalie coach. Leo and Serge had worked together at the Spangler Cup. So small world, um, but me and Leo had always worked with Jean in Montreal and, and did Franzi's camp. Franzi's the goalie coach with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So we knew each other from Franzi's camps. And um, sure enough, you know, when, when Serge needed a goalie coach, you know, Leo brought up my name. So that's a big reason of how I got over to Switzerland. Um, I did three seasons in, in Ombre, which was, you know, a really, it's a tremendous experience. It, it's something out of a movie. Like unless you go and you experience it, it's hard to exp explain other than, yes, is there a place like Mystery Alaska? Yes, that is Ombre Piotta in Switzerland. And there's a, it's a town of 500 people. True story, 500 people. And there's two restaurants in this town. So one street, two restaurants, a convenience store, a bunch of houses, and this little hockey rink. And sure enough, you know, they've, they've been in the league, um, you know, since I think it's 42 or something like that. And they've never gone down. They've never gone down in the B League, which is, which is crazy. Um, but that place would have six, six to 7,000 in this tiny little building. It's a barn. When they say barn, 
it's a barn. And the crowd is so loud that when you're on the ice as a goalie, it doesn't matter if you're calling out anything to your D because they don't hear you. You know what I mean? So it's, it's almost like, um, you know, as, as a goalie, you play there intuitively, you just become, you know, more and more synced with your D because you just know what the other is going to do um, because you just can't rely on sound. Um, because the kurva is so big and it's so loud and they're singing and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's, it's crazy. And where does this following come from? They come from all over Switzerland, you know, because Ombre is up in the Alps and you've got Swiss Germans that are fans. You have Swiss French that are fans. You have Swiss Italians that are fans. And then you have people out of country who come to games and they come to this little tiny village of you know population of 500 which makes absolutely no sense there's a train track that goes right through this town and it actually is connected to their main office um so you know it's a it's a tremendous experience it's a it's a it's a it's hard to put into words um but you know i was very fortunate and as my third year went on early it's not like back home here because you know, you have to wait till the end of the season until you can sign a new contract and when your deal's up, et cetera, et cetera. You can sign a contract for f- future years anytime you want. So ironically, this is where Roland comes back into play, is that he needs a goalie coach in Lugano. And I'd been watching Elvis for three years and I, I had a pretty good idea, you know, of, of what, you know, Elvis Merzlikin's potential was. And, and that was the biggest, that was the driving factor of why I would even consider, consider going um, to, you know, to, to, to Lugano. Um, and Lugano and, and Omri, I mean, they're, they're each other's rivalry. So it's, it's this big thing. So I was basically Judas, you know, leaving the village. And, and um, so it was, it was, uh, it was a tough decision, but it was a, it was a very good decision. You know, Lugano is where I always wanted to be, you know, back in from, you know, my, my initial visits, um, visiting my friend, obviously. And, um, you know, but, um, I was fortunate enough that, uh, Roland, Roland allowed me to kind of, um, through Pat Shed or sorry, through Doug Shedden and, and also Pat Curcio, I was able to meet Elvis and Elvis didn't really realize it, but, you know, at the time I wasn't really sure, you know, I didn't really know everybody and, and I wanted to meet him. I wanted to know, you know, what I was getting myself into because, you know, if he was kind of like, you know, he's a young kid and, you know, in, in, in the area, which is called Ticino and, you know, he had a, a reputation of, you know, being a little bit of a wild child and et cetera, et cetera. And I wanted to meet him. I wanted to see, um, you know, what he was about. And we met for, for coffee and we, we talked for about an hour we looked at some videos and I, I, I wanted to see kind of how he picked up things and how he learned and, and what were his thoughts and, you know, um, but he reminded me of somebody I knew and he reminded me of Ilya Brizgalov because if I was to find a time machine and, and put Briz back through time, he, he, he probably was, you know, Elvis and, you know, this, the same, you know, same personality, you know, he, so I was able to identify that and, and right then and there, that's when I knew that, yeah, I, I'm going to sign, I'm going to sign this deal. So I ended up signing just after one of the Spangler cups. Um, and, you know, I got to work with, 
with Elvis and, and it was, a you know, it, it was a great process because it wasn't just, you know, technical things with Elvis. It was helping a young kid who, who needed help, who needed help, you know, as, as a person who needed, you know, good guidance. Um, and he needed to understand, he needed to, to, to lay down certain walls so that he could trust people. And that's a lot of the stuff that we did. You know, people don't realize it wasn't just X and O's in his game. We did a lot of technical components to make his frame bigger, to make his feet more narrow and to hold in different ways. And I can, again, geek out all I want, but at the end of the day, it was really just, um, you know, learning and how he processed information and how he would let that information come in and who he would let that information come in from, which at the time he was, um, you know, he grew up in Latvia, um, you know, and, you know, in that Eastern block. And he's, he, had a, he had a tougher life growing up as a kid. You know, he grew up without dad. He grew up with, you know, a, a lot of uncertainties. And, you know, breaking down those walls uh, re required someone that was going to be very firm with them, but at the same time was, was going to, you know, allow him to develop as a person. So, um, you know, and obviously that, that year was tremendous. We, we went to the finals and we lost in, in game seven, which was heartbreaking. But, you know, I had great people around me. I had Greg Arlen, you know, who was a, a very hard coach, um, demanded accountability with his, his, his players, his staff, um, you know, but, you know, Greg is one of those, those guys that I, I certainly go to for advice and, you know, it's just because he, he, he also just opened so many doors, you know, as a, as a mentor and, and, you know, really just a, a standard, you know, so I was very fortunate to work with, with GI and, and, um, you know, it was, again, it was just a tremendous experience and, and continues to be a tremendous experience, um, you know, with the organization. Yeah. I mean, anytime you can work in pro hockey, it's a, it's an experience that you have to take. And, and again, you made that jump and we're willing to try something different and, you know, not everybody envisions going to a, a town of 500 and, and working for a <laughs> hockey team. It's a, it's a very unique uh, position and to have the, the support of the fan base and go through that learning curve. It's a, uh, you know, an experience I'm sure that you wouldn't trade for, for anything. And then being able to go to HC Lugano where you, had mentioned before that was a place that you would like to go and uh, work with, you know, a, a very well-known goalie now uh, as he made the jump to the NHL. It's a, a very positive experience by the sounds of it. And uh, I'm sure a lot of others would like to be in that situation. And who knows, maybe some people wouldn't be able to go through with it just because it is such a, a transition and, and a learning curve and just, you know, moving to a new place and, and all these different things. But um, you know, it, it shows your commitment to the craft and, and your willingness to think outside the box and try something new. Yeah, it, it, at the same time too, it was you know, um, it was a hard, it was a hard time, you know, because you know I, I had to make a oh I had to make a very tough decision because my mom was was sick with cancer and and um, you know during the the season in Las Vegas, um, you know. We, we learned that March that she was sick and, you know, I hadn't really, I hadn't really moved from her side for almost, you know, six months. So it was, it was late in the summer and that's when that opportunity came up and, you know, she, 
she, I remember her saying, you know, in direct words, it was, I, I need you to get up, you know, and it's not like I was a zombie and I wasn't doing things, you know, I was, I was pretty conscious every day with her and, and doing the things that, that you know, she needed done and the family needed done. Um, but I think what she needed was she, she needed, you know, to see my next step, you know, and, and, um, and that was tough. You know, and, and we talked a lot on the phone, obviously, and, and um, oh, Serge and, um, you know, the president with Henri were fantastic. They let me go home almost every month um, for the first, you know, until we, until my mom passed in February. Um, but, you know, that was, that was a, a tough transition for, for many emotional reasons. Um, but again, this is a, this is a business where, you know, it's a it's a village, and you're gonna you're gonna learn very quickly who your village is and who who's who's involved and, and who you, you trust and rely on, and you know I made many phone calls of you know certainly some of the people that I mentioned already in the, in the podcast, but um, you know it really it was Mike Foligno that it really resonated everything where you know he said you know Michael you gotta go she needs to see you do well here. And sure enough, I was on a plane, you know, shortly after that, that was kind of, you know, the, the talk that I needed, but, you know, it's from those relationships, um, you know, of, of, of who you encounter through your career that, that really do help you and, and they're your village, you know, so when, when you're faced with adversity, because that for me, that was probably the, the heaviest part of adversity that I faced in my life, um, the village was there for me. So, you know, and it helped me get through to, to where I needed to be. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's all kinds of learning curves through your career and they're not always just going to be, you know, tough hockey decisions or they're also going to be just, you know, tough life decisions, you know, and personal stuff that you, you have to go through. But at the same time, you know, you're, you're a professional and, and um, you know, there's always another opportunity out there. So, you're not ready for them they they may not come back yeah i think that's a a very strong statement there and the fact that you know people go through a number of things obviously with you your family and and the situation there but uh like you said the you get those people in the hockey community that you can lean on and uh really become your second family and a team setting especially so uh great to hear that you had that support uh, throughout that tough time Moving forward, a thing that you've referenced a number of times is the Spengler Cup and some different opportunities with Hockey Canada. And I think that's something that we should definitely dive into. Uh, you were able to work as a video coach at the Spengler Cup and also have worked in multiple Hockey Canada development camps. Just maybe as a general overview of Hockey Canada, just talk about your experience there and you know what you've learned uh, working with a, a national organization like that. Well, I, I started with the, the national development camp for the goalies. And, you know, that's more of a, a summer thing, a process where, you know, through, you know, right at the time, Ron Tugnett was at the center of it and he built the team around him. Um, you know, it was tremendous people that we got to work with and share ideas and, and get to work with these goalies, you know, of, of, you know, but when I was there, there was, um, you know, Jordan Binnington was was in our system. Uh, Malcolm Subban was there. You know, like there was really, really thick, thick talent in the NHL, uh, the current NHL right now. 
So that was a lot of fun, you know, and, and working with those guys and, and seeing the development and, and bringing different pieces to them. All the coaches brought different elements and different pieces. And, and so it was, it was great for the goalies, um, but it, it really, you know, it taught me a lot of things as far as taking your strengths, you know, because when you're out there and, and when you're, you're leading a session, you, you obviously know your strengths. It's clear to see. But then when someone else leads, it's really easy to see their strengths. And, and you know, it's like, a, you know, t- coaching is like a, it's like a golf bag. You know, like if you can add clubs, you know, like I want the biggest bag, man, in, in possible. You know what I mean? Give me as many clubs that I can have in, in there. You know what I mean? So, um, so that was a, that was a really great, great experience to, to work with all those work, world-class goalies, but world-class coaches as well. And, you know, I developed relationships inside of Hockey Canada, obviously that in a few years later, um, you know, Sean, Sean Bullock gave me the opportunity to, to be the video coach. This goes back to a statement I made earlier. If there's something inside of you that you feel in the pit of your stomach that you know that this, this is an issue, let's just say, please listen to it. And I was lucky enough that, you know, Sean and, and, and I, was, I was with Guy Boucher and Rob Cookson. They were really strong with video and they needed a guy just to tag video. So, um, you know, I didn't need to be, you know, at an NHL pace in video because I was anything but that. <laughs> I was very much a goalie coach uh, who was learning how to do those functions. And I had about two months to, to get up to speed so I could tag the games while they were occurring. Um, everything else was, you know, Guy was very, Guy is very good at video and, and obviously cookies on a different level. Um, so when it came to the meetings and things like that, I pretty much just had to press play. So, um, but, you know, it allowed me to do something that I was not comfortable with at the time. And now video for me is, it's my go-to, you know, and, and it's something that I take a lot of pride in you know, in my, in my sessions with my players and, and certainly when we do pre-scouts and, you know, we present in front of the team, um, you know, I was, I was able to grow in that area. Um, so I'll always be great, very grateful for that. But the, the thing that kind of took me to another, you know, viewpoint, I, I would say is watching Guy and Rob, you know, and the details, it changed the way I coached. It changed the way I prepared. You know, there's there's a story of I was bringing I was bringing cords uh, to this meeting room, and it was basically kind of like our hub in the hotel. So Hockey Canada at the Spanger they rent the the entire hotel basically, and um, in in one of the main uh, I guess, I don't know what you call those rooms, but it's, it's just, it's a, it's a boardroom. Okay. And, and we had used it basically kind of into our office. And, um, I was bringing these cords to, to the boardroom and I, I needed to set a few things up for a meeting. And I hear a voice, like I'm, I'm going down this very, you know, narrow cor- corridor, corridor, and I can, I can hear this voice. It's getting louder. It's getting louder. It's getting louder. I get to the door and sure enough, the voice is coming from inside of, you know, the, the meeting room. The door is locked. So I'm thinking, what's going on here? You know, like, 
So I, I knock on the door and, and sure enough, you know, Guy opens the door and pops his head out and says to me, uh, Mike, uh, can you come back in like, uh, looks at his watch, uh, you know, 45, 50 minutes, please. I said, uh, yeah, no, no problem. Everything okay? <laughs> he says, yeah, 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 everything's okay. Everything's okay. So he closes the door. It wasn't no buy, nothing, right? <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what's going on? What was going on was this. The team had, was just arriving, okay? So we had been doing all of our prep work going in, and they were doing their prep work. You know, Cookie and, and Gee, the, the night before, were looking at video and getting the presentations ready, and et cetera, et cetera. It was so narrowed down to specifics that Gee at that time, he had an opening statement to do and an address to make to the team when, when the team was going to be in there. And then we were going to do the video package after that. Guy was rehearsing his speech. Not kidding. He was rehearsing his speech because one, he wanted all the tones to be on a certain note. He probably wanted everything to be in, under a certain length. And he wanted it to, to, to carry you know, a time frame where he wouldn't lose people. He would have people engaged, I'm sure, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That was a big eye-opener because this guy was spending time on such a small detail, on something where maybe it was three minutes. You know what I mean? But he needed, he needed to hit all of his notes. And that, that told me a lot. You know, and it was those experiences that I take from, from, you know, from the Spangler Cup and the people that you meet, you know, and, and, um, you know, I'm a very quiet person. I have a quiet confidence um, to me. Um, so I steal quite a bit, you know, I'm not the loudest person. You're not going to notice me when I come through the doors. Um, but I think you know, that there was, there was these little pieces like that where, you know, I was able to, to take that information and, and turn it into my own. And, you know, just tremendous experience and tremendous people to work with. I think that's the, uh, the biggest thing when you get to work with something like Hockey Canada and especially at Spengler Cup with, a, you know, a staff of, of many capable coaches and Guy Boucher is definitely someone that, that many people know his name and you're able to interact with these people and see how they go about their process. And, you know, like you said, a three minute speech and being an hour before practicing it over and over in a locked room, uh, you know, some people might call that attention to detail and sanity, but for, for, you know, top level coaches, it's just another day. And I think that's what really separates them, uh, you know, from the rest. And for someone in your situation, being able to see that on a daily basis, I'm sure you take it with you and have applied it in your positions, uh, you know, since that day. Yeah, and, and, and another thing there, too, is uh, certainly, you know, being able to see it was something very unique. You know, I, I talked a bit about Sudbury and, you know, the, the Nick Fomil story of, you know, how, how engaging he was and, and how personal he was and, and all those things meeting him. And, you know, I felt like this little kid in a suit, you know, <laughs> like, you know, next, next to an 18-year-old, you know, I was 25 or whatnot. Um, but the reality is, is that what I didn't know at that moment was that Nick and Marcus grew up in that every day. They had the most professional father <laughs> in hockey, you know, who is definitely from that Lou Lamorello club, you know, and, 
And they were in NHL locker rooms and they saw how their dad trained and they, they, they were able to see, you know, what he ate and, and how sleep was important. And most definitely they saw how he was with people. Say it again, how he was with people, which is incredible. When you see Mike after, you know, a game, you know, of if, if we won in overtime or we lost in the barn burner, you know, you know, seven to six or whatever it was, he was going to go through the lobby, see the people that were there to see him. And you, you weren't going to have any clue whether he won or lost a hockey game or whether he won or lost and, and you know, coached in, in a loss there. You, you would not know because that's how great he, he is with people. And, and the boys have that. And they were, they were you know, brought up in that environment. You know what I mean? And they were around this. So when it comes to young coaches or just coaches in general, when you get to see those little fine details like he, yeah, you better have your eyes open and you better have your ears, you know what I mean, um, open and, and, and able to, to pick up these little details and, and steal the stuff where you can because likely you didn't grow up in those environments. So how are you to know, right? So the, I always say that to young coaches and, and, and environments are everything. So, you know, when you get into those certain scenarios, um, be a fly on the wall and because that's how you're going to learn, you know? And, and again, there was nothing in the Felino's water. There's a reason why those two kids are in the NHL. You know, Marcus, I remember watching Marcus in his draft year, in his OHL draft year. I remember going to the rink with, with Mike and I, I thought there's no way this kid is getting drafted, right? Because <laughs> he wasn't a very good skater at the time. But, you know, he, he just had so much avail available to him and he knew the work ethic, you know, that, that were required to become a pro and, and he had the guidance and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, environments are everything for coaches and, and if you're in those... Uh, in those settings, uh, take advantage. Yeah, take advantage. And like you said, when you have that mindset in place, uh, you know, like a player working on skating and, and different areas of their game, you know, you can develop and uh, continually grow uh, as you continue to to move down your career. Throughout your, you know, your journey through hockey and to your position today, uh, you've been on the ice, you know, a, a number of times, probably way too many to count. Uh, but pro goaltending development has been a part of that journey as well and uh, involved a lot of sessions. So maybe just talk about that brand and the entire journey of that, uh, you know, thus far in your life. Well, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate to obviously do what I do. Uh, that was certainly what has led to this career. You know, my initial intent was, you know, to help me get through school. You know, so running the goalie camps in the summer was, it was never really, you know, I, I knew what I wanted to do as a kid, you know, at, at the young age of 14. Um, so it was kind of a, I don't know, a, a really bad curse, you know what I mean? Knowing what you want to do at 14 and then not really knowing how to be able to do that uh, for so many years. So, you know, when I got to run the school and I was started making money and it was helping with you know, my education and stuff like that, you know, that, that was, that was great and grand and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, when it came, you know, to be on Sudbury and all those things, and we started to, to really build the brand after that, um, you know, it started becoming a reality, you know, and, and, 
um, I had a lot of help, you know, a lot of help from my family, a lot of help from my friends. Um, and, you know, it's, I take a lot of pride in it because of the athletes that we've been able to, to help and encourage in their careers. You know, we've, we've worked with a lot of NHL draft picks over the years. And, and for me, seeing those kids uh, turn into, you know, where they are now, that's been, you know, that's been honestly the best, the best voyage that, that I've had is, is impacting those guys and, and being a part of that process um, with their lives and, and still, you know, where, where you get calls and they'll, they'll want to pick your mind and pick your brain about different things. And, you know, even though that I'm here in, in, in Europe and I think, you know, for me, you know, building that brand has been, you know, such a, a, a unique experience on its own, but at the same time, certainly because you get to wear different hats and that's created leadership in different areas where I think it's, it's very, um, it resonates with, with what I do, you know, and, and it, 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 in an impact way, you know, it's created leadership around um, my, our players, our staffs, uh, different, different avenues such as that. But, you know, when, when you're in a position to, to run a business, you know, you've got to sink or swim and there's, there's hard truths that come with it. And, you know, it's, it's certainly made me harder in certain areas as a businessman, as a coach, and, you know, without it, I, I don't think I am where I am. So, you know, I certainly, I certainly look at that as my baby and I, I take a lot of, a lot of pride in it. Yeah. And whenever you put your own efforts into it and, and attach your name to it, it's something that you want to succeed in. And like you said, in, you know, in private hockey and working with players, uh, it's not always the easiest, you know, there's a lot of learning curves and, and different tasks that you have to deal with, especially on the business side, you know, outside of the ice, but anytime you can work with these players and see them develop and, and go on to bigger and better things. And, you know, a lot of it's their own doing, but just knowing that you played a part in their journey, it's uh, you know, it makes it all worthwhile at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. For sure. So a fun topic I want to talk about here is uh, you know, the topic of goalies and a lot of people maybe stereotypically will say, you know, goalies are a different breed and, and there's a different mindset and it takes a certain type of person. You know, I, I've heard it all before I started off as a goalie, um, you know, wasn't that good. So I kind of had to make the switch, but <laughs> you, you hear that a lot, um, you know, in media and, and different things. So to maybe just provide some of your insight on that topic from what you've seen and uh, whether you think that holds up in the, uh, in the long run of things. Yeah. Are you a different bird? Yeah, I think, I think you are. Um, you know, I've had some, some pretty, pretty interesting guys that I've been able to work with for sure. Um, but I think, you know, there's, there's always a different, uh, flavor to, to guys that you, that you encounter and that you work with. Um, you know, I, I, I've had guys who are so routined, it's, it's insane, you know, and, and they need that routine. You know, Elvis, Elvis Merzikin is very, he's a very routine guy going into, to a game. Um, but then I've got, you know, got some guys who are just cool as a cucumber, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Sandro is, is one of our guys here in Chiudano. Um, you know, Sandro can, he'll have, he'll, he'll be having a coffee, you know, probably, you know, just before warm up, and, and you wouldn't know that he was about to play. 
you know, because he's just, he'll just come up to you and, hey, you know, what's going on? And, you know, talk to you and very cool and calm. And, and then there's other guys where you just, you cannot, don't even look at them, you know, and you don't, don't even make eye contact with them, right? <laughs> so uh, I, I think the, the personalities are, are different all over the board, but you got to understand it's, it's, you know, kind of those swimming comments, you know, you're all alone, really. Yes, you, there's, you're, it's a team game, all those things. But a goalie didn't win or lose a hockey game all on his own. I always say, say that to, uh, to you know, players. And that comes with a, a tremendous amount of pressure, you know. And it's always, it's always neat to see who handles that in different ways, you know, and, and those personalities and how those personalities come out. So, yes, I've seen it all across the board. Um, but you know, I, I think, I think it's a, it's a very unique position where, you know, those personalities, uh, are needed for, for a position like that, because there is so much uniqueness to it and, and it rubs the players in the right way. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, creates a certain camaraderie around the group. So a great answer. And like you said, there's so many different personalities and, I think that's the, the great thing about the development of the game of hockey is we're starting to get to see these personalities more, um, you know, just look at the NHL level. You're hearing a lot more goalies give their comments. And I think, I think Elvis is coming in at the right time because I want to be really clear. Like I didn't knock out his personality or anything like that. Like when, when we were working together, you know, I, I wanted him, I, you know, to, to be who he is, you know, he, he represents himself extremely well now. Um, but he has a very vibrant personality and the NHL is beyond ready for, for people like that. And it's fun, you know, it, it, it creates entertainment. It creates, um, you know, all kinds of different elements to, to, to the media, to the game, all these things. And I think that's great. Would, would a guy like that or Briz have worked 30 years ago, 20 years ago? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. Probably, <laughs> probably not. But, you know, I, I, I'm glad that the game is going where it's going. I'm glad that the, the game is adapted uh, to, to make things more personal and for, for the fans to be able to see these personalities. And, you know, at the same time, you know, allowing these, these players to be who they truly are, you know, and, and, that's, you know, it's a whole other conversation, I think, but um, I really love the way that we're, where hockey is trending in that sense. Yeah, me too. I think it's uh, it's great for the game and, and great for the fans and uh, the people at home, obviously, you know, moving into reflective questions, you can learn so much from people. And that's the way the people at my hockey resource think their community on discord with coaches from all over the world and scouts and analysts, you know, the, the positions are, are endless on that platform and they talk about different topics in the game and, and their experiences overall. So for anybody listening, be sure to check out my hockey resource on Twitter and Instagram. Michael, for you, uh, you know, you learn from a lot of different people, but you also learn through resources, whether it be books, articles, podcasts, etc. cetera. Uh, what are some of your favorites uh, that you look to for reference and, and new ideas, maybe in goaltending and just the game in general? Mm. I'd say, I'd say, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give a, a bit of a different perspective maybe. Okay. For, for, for the listeners is, um, I, I read a lot, 
I do. I, I definitely, you know, um, spend the time, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of one of those guys looking at, you know, bios or, you know, any kind of books like that, you'll normally find me, you know, with, but, um, you know, because I want to just get different perspectives and different, different ideas. Um, but what I thought of doing with, with, with everyone here tonight was after each season, I go through a review and I go through a personal review. So it's, it's done obviously internally, um, but it's also done through, you know, exit meetings with management, exit meeting with coaches, and I really dive into myself. And I think it's been a very value tool. Um, I don't end there. I go from, from that standpoint, and then I go to players that I work with. And we always do a separate interview, a separate um, exit meeting on seasons. And the reason why I do it is because you're going to get different perspectives from the, from the players from a non-threatening way. Um, you're going to get different perspectives, obviously, from, from higher-ups, from the coaches, et cetera, et cetera. And then I do my deep dive within myself, which is it's a little voice inside telling you these are areas where you, you're not completely comfortable. And my advice is to, um, to listen to those because, you know, in, in, in my in my experience, you know, with, you know, with the Spangler stuff and doing the video stuff, that was always an inner voice. And it, it was, it was something I wanted to address. And that just gave me the, the courage to do it, you know, and there's, there's so many other little pieces, you know, that, I, that I've had along the way, um, you know, whether it's, you know, I, I live a very regime, like, it's, it's, if you're in this business and you're, you're a professional coach, I think any, any pro coach will, you know, can attest to this. It's, it's a very militant approach. Like you're, you're on a time all the time. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're on a schedule, sorry, all the time. And that you know, is, is, um, you know, for, for me and, and, you know, that was a hard thing for me coming over, you know, when I started coaching professionally, you know, I had been a business owner, you know, I, I, I'd had certain freedoms in my own schedule and et cetera, et cetera. And I had to adapt, you know, so like this, I'm, I'm using a very small example, but I had to adapt. I had to change, you know, and, and I had to, to, um, you know, prepare in different ways, you know, back in my early, earlier days as a pro and, um, you know, the, those little inner voices of facing those things, you know, those are huge. So, um, Self-review for me is, is something that every coach should do. It doesn't matter which level. And, and certainly, you know, ask yourself those, those tough questions, you know, how you're impacting the players that you're working with. You know, do you have your best interest? Do you have their best interest in mind um, for some of the decisions that you made during your season? You know, ultimately, you know, if it's documented and it's done properly, you're going to get answers. So, you know, I, I can't recommend that enough. Yeah, just such a such a great approach. And and like you said, when you're organized and have everything uh, done the proper way, you know, you can learn from men and those conversations. And, and there's so many different ways to, to learn in this industry. And, uh, you know, you can even, like you've said before, learn from other industries, other sports, such as swimming. It's, uh, 
it's an endless stream of uh, of learning in this game. Throughout the conversation, you've had a lot of uh, key interactions that you've mentioned and uh, almost mentors who have helped you along the way. So just to uh, kind of backtrack here again, talk about some of those major mentors who have helped you in your career and what are some of the main lessons that they have taught you collectively? Well, my, my mom was obviously my, my, my greatest mentor, I'd say. Um, she, she gave me a confidence and she allowed me to pursue areas and avenues which you know maybe not at, or at the time they probably weren't uh, very popular um because it, she she just had a a sense that i was going to be a teacher um so my mom had a lot to do with it and and also just creating that confidence within me to uh, to be able to you know, experiment and try different things as far as teaching goes, and and obviously always in 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 hockey. But um, you know, she also encouraged me. You know, when I became a lifeguard, um, I hated guarding. I absolutely hated it. But what what it did was it allowed me to to be a teacher, and because I had all the certs, so I barely guarded. Um, you know actual duties and doing doing whatnot at the pools but I was more of, of a teacher and, and and that was a big progression um for for coaching you know when when I really wasn't you know thinking about coaching because I was pretty young you know, I was 18 to 21 when I was guarding but um you know she encouraged that you know she saw kind of the bigger the bigger picture and 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 always you know allowed me to um, maybe believe I was better than I was, you know, I think it's, uh, obviously a, a parent's, uh, uh, something that only a parent can do. Um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of people, you know, Mike Foligno, I speak a lot about Mike and just, you know, being, you know, I call him, I call him Mr. Professional, you know, never, I don't think he's ever heard me say that, but, <laughs> um, but, but he is, you know, and, and, uh, I owe him a lot for sure. Um, you know, so many great people, Greg Ireland, you know, um, Chris DiPiero, um, you know, all, all the people at Hockey Canada obviously have been, um, you know, very impactful. But for me, the, the biggest one who, you know, I, I spent time with him, but not tremendous amounts, um, was Francois. And it was Francois because he made me not realize, but I think there was a very, you know, a big understanding, I would say, that no, this is going to be okay, and that no, this is going to work because this guy is doing this, you know. And when you're a 14 year old kid and 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 you already start understanding, I'm supposed to be a teacher, and I think I think I can do what this guy's doing. Um, you know, that that had a lot of weight, you know, as a kid, and and it created, you know, as I got older you know, anxieties, because, you know, it, again, it's not like today where, you know, there's, there's all these coaching jobs, you know, th those jobs didn't exist back then. And, you know, I was very um, fortunate in, in, in the sense that, you know, I, I, I had an example. Um, but, you know, he, he made me realize it was possible. You know, I, I just didn't know how to, to maybe get to the destination that I, that I wanted. Um, but, you know, it, it, it really created that image of, okay, this is, 
this is obtainable. You just, you know, you, you need to, to claw at this, you know, and, and find a way. Yeah, it creates the inspiration. And I think for anybody looking to progress in the game, having that, um, you know, something to look up to and almost, you know, maybe not the, the complete plan to get to somewhere, but, you know, okay, it's within reach. And then you have to go find your own path to get there. And, uh, you know, as people move to junior hockey and pro hockey and, uh, you know, you still want to get to that highest level of the NHL. And then when you get there, you want to be successful. You want to win the Stanley cup and maybe it's an Olympic medal, but, you know, throughout the game uh, and throughout people's careers, you're just striving for that next step and trying to learn along the way, how to, how to make that a reality and, and putting your own spin on it. And I think that's the, uh, the great thing about the game and um, you know, no story is uh, like the other. And, and that's something I've learned a lot through this podcast and, I'm sure uh, throughout your own experiences, you've seen that uh, firsthand with people really all around the world. Yeah. And, and, you know, even, even, um, you know, skills coach now you you see, there's so many skills coach, you know, and, and, um, you know, really talented people who are coming through, you know, and, and, and finding opportunities, um, you know, in, in different avenues that maybe didn't exist, you know, a few, few years ago, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Right. And, and now it's becoming careers, you know? So there's so many example video coaches. There's so many different ele- elements to, to the game um, where, you know, people are, are, are finding their niche and they're finding their path, you know, which is, you know, again, it's, I think it really dates back to, to my parents were, you know, professionals. They were both teachers. You know, my mother was a principal. My father was a French, is or was a French teacher. You know, they're, so I think their understanding of you know, um, okay, he wants to quit school, quit the concept of being a lawyer and become a goalie coach. Like that was a really interesting night in Lawrence household. I'll tell you that. You know, when I told my parents, yeah, I'm leaving school. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to become a goalie coach, right? So, um, because it was just so foreign, you know, that you're, you're, you're a lawyer, you're a professional, you're, you know what I mean? Or, or like, okay, you're not, okay, so if you're not doing any of those, okay, you're going to do, you know, you're going to go into trades, you're going to do, right? You know, those were the expectations, right? You know, and, and now, you know, it, it's, it's funny because, you know, my, one of my best friends, Glenn, he's a, he's an urban planner, you know, like, you know, like obviously he spent way too much time in his mother's basement playing Sim, Sim City, you know, and then figured out a way of, <laughs> of becoming a, a planner, right? You know, so these little jobs, these jobs that have changed and they've changed the dynamic of obviously the time and now that what we're going through now, you know, with, with the pandemic, things are going to change again, you know, and, and, and jobs are going to, they're going to take a different trend all over again and a different path. So, you know, um, I think it's a, it's a great time right now. You know, um, our business is going through a bit of a transition, obviously. Uh, it, hopefully it will recover soon enough. And, and yeah, I'm excited to see what, you know, guys like yourself, like in analytics and, and different areas are, are going to, you know, achieve and, and go through those different roads. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun when things open back up and, and we're able to, you know, kind of, move back into the game in the way that we'd like and have those interactions and, and get back in the rinks on a daily basis. Uh, you know, you said for you personally, you had a, a big moment where you kind of had to leave school and go into goalie coaching. And 
I know that conversation couldn't have been easy, but it was a decision that you made for yourself at that time. And it has definitely worked out for you in the long run. So if you could go back maybe to someone in a similar position, thinking about making that transition or looking to, uh, you know, have their own path in the game, what's one piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful in goalie coaching and the game of hockey overall? Uh, I think, I hope I answer this like properly, but one of, um, I have a friend here who's a musician um, and um, we, we've had many, you know, conversations, especially, you know, my first two seasons in Omri and um, you know, he's, he's had a lot of success in his field. And, you know, it's funny when you meet people like that because, you know, he's a guitarist and um so what is what is the relationship you know or the relation to a, a goalie coach or a hockey coach and, and, a, and a musician um but you know he's we talked a lot about the honesty you know of you know certainly you know when i first met him you know we had some very uh very good conversations about the honesty and what you do and if there's that honesty and then you will always be successful at what you do. So my advice is is kind of you know dating back to that conversation and, and that realization is make sure that you have an honesty in, in in what you're pursuing. Make sure that it's it's something that you're in for the right reasons, you know. And for me personally, you know, when I get to see guys who we've worked with, whether it's, you know, through a team setting like Elvis or whether it's to, you know, a business setting, like, you know, you know, I remember when Ken, when Ken played his first game, when Appleby played his first game in New Jersey, um, you know, I was, I was pretty damn proud, you know, and, and um, there's these little moments, you know, same with Malcolm and, and all these guys that have come through the school. But I think I'm not in it, you know, for, other ulterior ulterior moves you know um i i love teaching you know and i probably wouldn't have become a lawyer i probably just would have been a teacher if if, if hockey didn't work out um, but i love that impact on someone's life and someone's you know development so i think you know if if you're pursuing this you know to if i'm you know speaking to, to, you know, the next group of goalie coaches or, or goalie coaches out there, if you lose the honesty of what you do and you lose that, um, you're, you know, definitely reset or really think about what, what you want to do because this is a game where there's, there's a lot of ups and downs and, and um, yes, there's, there's good times when things go well, but, um, you know, it'll certainly make things in life miserable when, when things aren't. So that's, that's my advice. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really think that's a, a great piece of advice to go off of and be in it for the right reasons, because, you know, until, until you get really to the NHL level, uh, you know, as people always say, you're, you're not going to get rich in this game. It's, it's, you do it for the passion. Uh, there's a lot of hours, a lot of uh, bad and good coffee a lot of running through places that you've never been and, and hoping you can find your way out uh, as you've experienced, you know, in, in some of your, um, your journeys, but you know, it's uh we do it because we love it. And uh, like you said, it's great to see those players at the end of the day succeed 
because of the guidance and the experiences that they've had working with coaches like yourself and, and others in the industry. And, uh, you know, I, I, again, like, I, I think, I think if you keep, keep that perspective, then, then, you know, I, I liked what you, you said, because you, you said, you know, you, you're not going to get, you're not going to be rich off of it. Um, but if you have that, then, then you're going to have those riches and, and you're going to do pretty, pretty damn well. So that's pretty important. Yeah. I, I think that's very well said. And, um, with that, Michael, we've had a, a lengthy conversation, but one of my favorites thus far on the podcast. So I just want to thank you once again for uh, joining me here today and in this in-depth conversation about your career and, uh, you know, diving into the world of goaltending and, and goalie coaching and hopefully uh, things continue to go well for you and your career. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Thanks, Ryan. Same to you. And thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. I'd like to thank Michael for joining me on the podcast and engaging in a lengthy conversation about his journey in the game. Between his various positions, encounters with unique players, and his thoughts on each and every move, there were a number of great lessons brought to the forefront, so again I'd like to thank him for sharing. If you would like to get in touch with Michael to learn about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact Podcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Dustin Korlak, assistant coach with the Trail Smoke Eaters. A young coach in his own right, Dustin has had some unique experiences starting off and talked about those in addition to his recent role, which included some conversation on a few high-caliber players. So listen into that episode on Wednesday. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone for your continued support of the podcast and for interacting with us on all platforms. We hope to continually share the stories of those in hockey operations and share more content and ideas from our guests moving forward. As always, stay safe and all the best.